Welcome to the Mind Body Story Podcast, where we learn and share ways to strengthen and heal our minds and bodies so we can write the best life story possible. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 002, and I am your host, Eric Beach. Today, we have a very special guest named Bahesha Doan. She has a long history of working with dogs through police force, um, working dogs, dog obedience, uh, retraining, um, rehabilitating dogs. I mean, she is a dog whisperer in her own right in the way she uh, deals with dogs and communicates with them and, and uses them as a tool to teach us. Uh, how we can grow and learn about our own emotional states is, uh, by bar none, the best I have ever seen. And her program, Disabled Veteran, was where I went to actually get my service dog. So without further ado, let's get into it. Are you still there, Vahisha? Good morning, Eric. Good morning. How, how are you, are you doing? Friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I am just peaceful and steady. That's how I feel. Well, that's as good as it gets, really. Peaceful and steady. I like it's it. <laughs> working for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to think that it had to be like, if I'm not feeling amazing, that somehow I'm not doing well. You know, like I have to be doing mm. some amazing thing and always joyful, but boy, it feels good to just mm. be peaceful. Yeah. I think there is really a lot to be said for peace. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons you've ever taught me and getting into that um, just you know we have some I know you very well I've gotten the chance to get to know you over a long period of time and you've been a, a tremendous mentor and a help to me uh, but for those who don't know you that would maybe listening to this can you give me just like a quick snapshot of maybe the things that you're involved in right now well um, I am the founder and the executive director of this able veteran and we train service dogs for veterans living with psychological injury, as well as physical injuries. And we run a trauma resilience program that is the partner to the dogs. It's the other wing on the bird, so to speak. So uh, the trauma resilience program is three weeks in length, back to back, day to day. And it's it's no small thing to get through. It's no, it's hard. not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do that. I, I'm also a, a trauma survivor, which I always say that I'm so much more than that, but it seems to be the description that helps people know that I have some personal insight into the trauma road they walk. We're mm. all walking together, you know? And yep. so um, my brother was a lifer in the military, and um, so that set a, a culture standard in our home. And Everything was brought together. Of course, I couldn't see it at the time, but all brought together to create disabled veteran and now, you know, expanding further out to non-veterans uh, through Ask Yourself Unlimited. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about the disabled veteran experience a little bit. And first, I just want to say, uh, give it a little background of, of my story with Behesha and because it's important uh, because I was in a bad place. Uh, I don't know if it was, I forget, I'm bad with dates, but it was like three years ago that I went through the program, something like that. Oh, more than that, Maybe yeah. more? Four, mm -hmm. maybe? Oh, I think four. I'm horrible with this. I have a traumatic brain injury, so I get to make excuses about dates and freedom timelines. <laughs> it's fine. I don't, but uh, I'm going to make the excuses anyway. 
<laughs> well, you've got a lot going on, I know. Uh, so I don't, I forgive you on that one. I'm just going to blame my brain. And at some point in the past, years ago, I was in a very bad place. <laughs> and I wasn't willing to get help for myself and my wife, Jenna, uh, was. And she saw, you know, service dogs were helping veterans and I was adverse to it because I didn't want to get this partner that would do these great things for me and then in 10 years die, you know, because the dog's life is not the same length as my own. And then I felt like I would be back in the same spot. And so I refused it for a while and finally got to a point where I was, you know, the way I was doing life wasn't working and opened up to disabled veteran. She had looked at a lot of other programs and most of them were just pairing veterans with dogs. And that can work for like emotional support. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with what a dog can inherently do to increase your sense of joy. But what I needed was a radical transformation. And the three week program intensive was really, it spoke to me. And then through our first conversation, it was very disarming. I got to speak my concerns and you answered very um, eloquently all the questions that I had. And I felt very comfortable and safe. And I think safe might be the key word in mm. why I open to you. Uh, because as you've explained to me, there is a level you have to open for someone else to help change you, whether it's a service dog or a mentorship or any kind of therapy through a psychologist, uh, you have to open. And that's, that's the door you opened for me was the feeling of being safe. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to go do, but uh, yeah, you were that first voice that I think gave me permission to take a journey and I, my first thing I want to bring up in that, now that I'm speaking of, I wasn't going to mention this, but now I'm going to. So here we go. Uh, when I, when I came through and I, you know, I, I continued to work after I was not just Maddie, my service dog allowed me uh, to pursue yes. more healing. Yes. And a lot of yes. people, sometimes they think one thing, then I go back to a certain way of living, but I don't progress any further, but it is yes. a lifelong journey. That I do remember. Um, I heard in you that you wanted the help to, to get moving and that you knew that once you got some traction that you would continue with it because I always say that you can hate your life but not be ready to change it, right? Yeah. And, and when we hate our life but we're unwilling to change it, of course we subject ourselves to more of the same. And what I sensed in you was not only were you ready for the change with the dog, but you wanted the tools so that you could keep on, hmm. so that you could continue to grow and set yourself free. Because that's what it's going to take. We have, there's nothing outside of us that can set us free. It is only what is within us. We hold the key. And the service dogs are one part of that as we begin to get stable and gain traction. But beyond that, they take the walk with us after, after they leave. Mm. And, and you I think that's that. what, yeah. And I think that's what really separated why I felt comfortable partly coming to you was, was that you were offering that it wasn't the cure all fix all. It was just, this is a partner for you to then go do work with because the service dog for me anyway was, a Maddie was the tool that allowed me to go and enter a crowd and almost project my insecurities onto Maddie in a way that was saying, I'm scared. 
No, I'm not scared. Maddie, you must be scared because this is a, a terrifying world for you, but I've got your back and we're going to get through this together. And Maddie's like, you know, okay, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm with you, buddy. So let's go. And so mm-hmm. then I could then meet with her after we walk through just a part of the crowd. And I get down and I, you know, as if it was a soldier of mine, you know, I get down and be like, that was awesome. We did it. You, you crushed that. And I'm, I'm talking to myself, but I'm mm-hmm. talking through the dog. So mm-hmm. I think the service dog allows you to have conversations non-judgmentally uh, about your real emotions. And that's a very safe place to be. And I yeah. think, would you say that veterans that you've seen come through the program kind of find their own ways to utilize the service dog? It's not like ABC, this is how you use your dog. This is how they're going to help you. But have you seen that be true, that they kind of find their own way in their own developed relationship with their service dog for continued healing? It is true that they find their own way. And the key is less about whether they find their own way and more about how committed they are to reclaiming their life because they're going to find a way, even if that way is to go back to what you used to do. Mm. You see? Um, Yeah. And there are some who say, this is wonderful. I've gained so much, but I don't want to work that hard anymore. And they go Mm. back. And then there are others who say, oh, no, no, (laughs) no. I love my family. I love my purpose on this earth, even though I don't know what it is. I want to seek it out. I want to open. I want to find out who I really am because our identity, we, we sometimes, we forget who we are. You know, we, sometimes the men and women who come through the program, they went into the military very young. They were so young. They didn't really have an identity of who they were. They're just kids. Mm. And, and then they come out very changed. And so the identity that they had, they don't know now who that is without trauma. And so that journey to self, who am I, is is the journey of a lifetime. I mean, we've all (laughs) been, we've been uh, other realized for a really long time. We, you know, we are parent realized or boss realized or neighbor realized or partner realized, but the the goal for our life is to become self-realized and to recognize that we hold the key to our own realization. No one else can define us. And sometimes that is where the dogs are so powerful because the dogs, they don't have any judgment on who you are. They don't look at your emotions as being good or bad. They're just different levels of energy sort of like we can look at a rainbow and see all the colors in the rainbow and we go look it's a rainbow we don't go up there and go you know what i don't like that green in there though that green (laughs) that's a bad one um they just see it all and so all of our emotions to them are just it's like colors they see them they sense them and without judgment they can just walk with us through them without a second thought which is a beautiful thing because we're the ones on the judging end going, I don't like this. I don't want this. And we begin to prioritize the kinds of emotions that we want and push away the ones we don't rather than simply experiencing what we're going through, questioning it and beginning to really question the thoughts and beliefs that support them. 
you see. So the dogs yeah. walk with us without judgment through that. And through the trauma resilience, we learn how to question our thoughts and beliefs that make us suffer so much. Yeah, okay, that makes that makes sense because I'm, I'm filtering this all through my own experience uh, leaving TAV, Disabled Veteran, with Maddie. And I have moments like where I would be really depressed because when you leave a program of any kind, even if it was transformative, life will smack you in the face and it doesn't get easier, but you have tools to, to work through it. And my wife never knew how to approach me when I was experiencing an anniversary of a death or uh, just whatever it was that was dragging me down into that despair. They would, you know, she would take the girls out of the room and I'd be sitting on the couch and Mandy would trot over, jump up on the couch, get in my lap and just put her head on my chest and, and I'd pet her. She wasn't, you know, afraid. I wasn't mad at her or anything. She hadn't done anything to wrong me, but I could then pet her. And there was something in that in petting her and having the freedom to just kind of just say, I don't know, Maddie, I have no idea what's wrong with me. And I said it out loud and all of a sudden I started to have conversations. So I think that's maybe what you're speaking about. That's kind of that process of, I know the dog isn't going to judge me. So I just talk and she's not going to try to help me and give me advice. Is that is that a valid? Do you think that's kind of encapsulating is, what you're talking about? That is certainly a part of it. Yes. The, you know, when we think about how the human brain works, um, being able to speak our pain, speak our fear, speak our experience, when we speak it, our brain changes. When we are silent, we remain trapped. And there is a part of the brain called the hippocampus. And when we speak it, the information has to go through there. And then it's metatagged in different parts of the brain so that it can be processed. Because post-traumatic stress is simply unintegrated information hmm. in the brain. It is information that's trapped in a, a subcortical loop, and it runs, and it runs, and it's never actually dealt with. You just have a lot of crappy feelings. And once we begin to actually speak about it, which is a painful thing in itself, but we're in pain anyway when we're in trauma, <laughs> yes. um, that we actually begin to process some of it. And sometimes it's not the event itself that we process. We just start finding that other things in life don't bother us as much as they did. And gradually we work around to um, the, the trauma itself. And there are some times we're speaking about it we can get straight to the heart of the trauma and it cleans up very rapidly. Yeah. And, and that's so why speaking, it's the lifelong journey. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why right. I, and, I think it is. And speaking in the presence of the dog is such a wonderful way to get started. Like I said, sometimes the dogs are there to help us gain some traction and they certainly want to be with us. You know, and we, we think of all the people that, we find pains in the rear and we don't want to be with them. And a lot of the times when we're in trauma, we think that about ourselves. And then we project it on other people saying, oh, they don't want to be around me. Um, or they're going to judge me. But the reality is, is those things are going on inside of us about ourselves. I'm going to judge me. I don't want to be around me. And so we push others out. But the dogs say, bad mood? Oh, I love you, man. I'm sure about your mood. And so we get a little bit of traction that way, and we begin to find the kindness in the eyes of the dog. We begin to see that that is actually, when we feel loved and safe, we are inherently kind. We are inherently loving. We are inherently patient when we feel loved and safe. 
also is when our beliefs and our thoughts that when they become out of alignment with who we truly are, that we suffer. And when we don't understand that, we look out and go, you know what, you're the problem. But the reality is, is that who we truly are is not in alignment with the kind of thoughts we're thinking. And so those thoughts bring suffering until we begin to question them. When we do, and the dogs are looking right at us, they're going, I see you. You have thoughts and beliefs. You know, those mean nothing to me. It's who you are. And that's why we respond so openly to them, because they truly see us. That's good, because I think what um, what I found is, you know, shame is this fear of disconnection. Uh, like you had, mm-hmm. I think you had mentioned about wolf packs, that if you're shamed from the pack, it's kind of like you're marked for death, because now you're alone. And so we almost from what you're saying is we shame ourselves so that nobody else can do it for us because that wound is too great to, to receive when you don't have ego consciousness, when you're not on the seat of consciousness and self-aware of who you are, because everything then becomes a judgment about you because you have no stability. And I mm-hmm. would, I would argue that post-traumatic stress, that unintegrated information you mentioned from the, the world of, we are our vocation. We are who our parents said we were, we are who we became. Mm-hmm to be in our peer group and to be loved and valued, uh, that shapes who we are and gets rid of a lot of authenticity. And we have no stability to really, to really stand upon. And that was my journey was I had to be funny with my friends to like me. And if I wasn't, I was the biggest piece of garbage in the world. Mm. And, and Maddie, all I have to do is shake my body and giggle. And she's like, my buddy, he's back. All right, let's play. And (laughs) and I love that. Like it's, it's, I don't feel silly because there's nothing I can do in front of her that uh, is she's going to be like, hey, bro, you need to chill out a little bit. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> mm. the, I, I love that because when we look at how we were raised, uh, our experience in the military, what have you, there were so many things that we were told, this is what you do. This is how you function. This is how you succeed. And did we ever ask ourselves, is this really true for me? Mm. Is it really true for me? I know I was told that the grass is green, but did I ever ask myself, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, (laughs) um, there are many things that we just patently accepted. You know, you're a kid and your parents tell you you're lazy. And then you go through your life either trying to prove you're not or... Mm living up to the standard, but did you ever really ask you, what is it that I hold back under and what is it I flourish under? And just find out, am I in fact open? I've had so many of my veterans say, I'm an introvert. I'm just an introvert. But when they began to question their thoughts and beliefs about the world they live in and themselves, holy mackerel, they start to show out that they were anything but an introvert. <laughs> yes. But they began to ask themselves instead of asking society and the way that it's judged, asking the military and the codes that are there. I mean, the codes themselves become often the identity. But is that true? Have you asked yourself if that is true for you? Right. Because, yeah, it's, it's funny because we end up worshiping the belief more than 
than the reality. It's like, no, I have to believe this. This is, mm-hmm. this is the God I serve. You know, yeah. I serve this belief yeah. and you can't take it away from me. Right. Nurse it, curse it, and rehearse it, even if it's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, That's you know, funny because... Go ahead. I was just going to quick say that it's funny because I just had this conversation and I've been sitting with it recently that we, as a child, we love to ask questions. Why, 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 why? And then the parents, we like answer a few and then we're like, shut up. Like, I don't know. And we want to like stop the question asking. And I feel like we have to revert to that childlike sense of asking questions of ourselves because we've just completely shut that off. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, dogs do it all the time. They ask oh, yeah. questions all the, all the time. And most people don't recognize that a dog yeah. is asking questions and when those questions are being asked or how they're being asked, the yeah. dogs, they have no ego to stick to. They have no self-definition. Like, no, 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 no. You don't realize I'm a German shepherd. <laughs> I have to be this way. Yeah. Or, oh God, I'm just a whippet. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to listen to me? It, they have none of that. They simply mm-hmm. find their way. They ask questions of the people they live with. Is this all right? And in the absence of an answer, they take it as a yes. So sure. they're going to charge out the door. They might stand, you know, vibrating at the door waiting for it to crack. That's actually a question. It, can I bolt out of here and and decide how everything's going to go from the minute we leave this porch? Mm. And no answer. You're saying, wait, wait, and the dog's still vibrating. That wait was no answer at all. So... If we asked him to go and change his state to a calm state, then he would go, oh, thank you for that answer. Because until I got it, I thought I charged out the door and decided how everything was going to be from here on out. So the key with dogs is to learn. They learn how to change state. Do you know what I mean by change state? They change their state of mind, their state of being, their state of arousal. They learn to change that. Mm -hmm. And they can do it very quickly. They can. They can do it so quickly. Um, and we can, too. We just don't always know it. Right. We can, we can too, but we think that it's what other people do that will allow us to change our state. Mm. So if they would just shut up, if they would yes. get out of my way, if they wouldn't bug me, you know, but the reality is, is that those state changes are all within our control. And we, it, that's the good news about it, because we can finally be free. We don't have to depend on anybody either being or not being a pain in the ass, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's the so, power of the dog. <laughs> yeah, they, they are able to see that I can shift my state of mind from arousal to calm when I need to. I can change from uh, calm and relaxed to, hey, let's go. We can do this. And they can move very quickly because they don't, they're not invested in any kind of self-definition that says, Oh, no, 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 no. I can never be seen as silly. I can Mm. never be seen as uh, losing control in play. I can never be seen as frightened. Dogs don't have any of that, and they just hang it out there. And they give us permission to do the same, but they also show us that we can begin to control the states of mind that we're in that either cause peace or suffering. Yeah. They also show us where some of our work lies as well. Absolutely. I found with, with Maddie, I had issues with my own leadership ability or um, my desire for control, which I never thought I had. Until I had Maddie, I had no concept that I had a, such a strong desire for control. 
because the minute Maddie would disobey in my mind, but really she didn't disobey me. I had checked out. And so now she's figuring mm-hmm. out the world. But in my mind, in my perspective, that meant she was no longer listening to me. I was not a good leader. Uh, I couldn't be heard. Uh, I even, you know, started to talk louder to her because I felt if I'm louder, you know, then maybe she'll hear me. But really, it wasn't her hearing problem. It was my presence problem. It was my communication problem. And so... Mm-hmm it drew attention to me that because whenever strong emotion is present, right? That's you said, that's an exiled voice. That's something in you that needs work. It's not something outside that needs to change. It changes in you. And so the, so Maddie and service dogs, if you're open to it really can help you understand where you need to go in your healing. And I'm sure you've seen where that's not the case where um, instead it just highlights and people indulge, not, not like the veterans necessarily, but, other people through your work with uh, civilians that come for, you know, dog retraining or something, or my dog's, you know, overweight because I just, I just have to give them food or, you know, I have to do this, but that's really them meeting a need inside themselves, right? That the person, the owner. Yeah, that's, that's very common that we project out. Um, We, we tend to give love the way we want to receive it. And so when we give our dog a pass, we feel like, when someone gives me a pass, I feel like that means they get me and they love me. Mm. You know, when someone lets me off the hook when I've had a tantrum, you know? Yeah. Um, those type of things. So if the dog has an outburst, they let them off the hook because that's how they feel that they want to receive. Uh, it, it feels like love to them. So if someone mm. gives you something or if you really like something and someone gives it to you, you have that good feeling, you project it out on the dog and you go, well, I know he's 20 pounds overweight, but he likes it. He loves ice cream. <laughs> he loves you know? this. He loves being heavy he loves- and unhealthy. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and dogs don't have the, the uh, body identity that mm. humans do. Sure. Um, they don't see themselves as their bodies. Like humans often, we're self-identified with our bodies. You know, we feel like, oh, my body's too heavy, mm-hmm. my body's too thin, my body's broken. But the reality is oh, what we have the ability to know, and that is I have the perfect body for me right now because they don't compare their body with any other body. Sure. They're not saying you know? a, minute, a minute in the jowls and I'll have bloated bowels. Like they're not having those conversations. <laughs> like I gotta be, gotta be bikini ready. <laughs> not at all. And no. you know, if you think about like your own body or any of us think about our own body, the only way that we can judge it is if we compare it to something else. Mm. You know, if you go, "Oh, I'm too old," is that true? Compared to what? <laughs> yeah. You see, so mm-hmm. and dogs have zero identity with their body. They don't compare their body to anybody else. It's just their body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't think about, oh, you know, I've got a dog right now that lost a rear leg in a surgery, had to take it off. And um, he's always been just this real presence of a dog. And, and now he has three legs. And I see him moving around out there. He's been such a great teacher for me in a number of ways. Um, one, he never let it define him. And not, not, I shouldn't say he didn't let it. It just didn't because he doesn't identify with his body. He just says, I have three legs and this is how I can do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. There is nothing about it that makes him go, man, when I had four legs, I kicked 
tail, man. <laughs> yes. He, he has no past about it. It's, this is where he is. This is what he can do now. He never complains. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me, and it was a real lesson for me, Eric, was I have a workout room in my the lower part of my house, and he loves to come down there when I'm just working out and complaining and (laughs) all of that. Um, But when it's time to go upstairs, he grabs the toy that he has and going upstairs with one rear leg on two flights of stairs, is no small feat. Mm. And so I get behind him and I put my hands, you know, right underneath him and I just help him up those stairs. And I just give him enough of a lift that he can push off on that good leg. And he just hops up the stairs pretty easily, and he walks off, never looking back, not a single thank you. And I love that. I love it because he teaches me how the give and take should be without all the dance, mm. without all the, oh, thank you. Oh, you must think I'm just, you must think I'm incapable. Oh, you know, it, it's just so free. He's just, we're partners we went up together. He doesn't give a second thought about how I must see him, you know, and that's been such a lesson to me. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, that that's that's something to strive for, you know, and I think that goes back to the idea that if the dog can do it, we can do it. And like we're capable mm-hmm. with some adjustments. You know, he had to adjust how, how to pee now that he doesn't have both legs to, you know, balance on. Like everything mm-hmm. is, is different. And he navigated it, but so many, he didn't stop and, and like you say, put, pull the victim card out and just lay around all day and say, well, I'll never be who I used to be. But then at the same token, what you're describing, getting helped up the stairs, it's not, you know, I'm an invalid, oh yeah, whatever, thanks. For th- I'm capable of doing this myself, Behesha. You can leave me alone, stay downstairs. You know, and there's no overadulation of, and there's also mm-hmm. in you what what is happening is is the the lack of need for gratitude in that transaction. I mean, not that gratitude is a bad thing to express when it's genuine, but we can quickly. I when I left TAV, I had a desire to help people, and I was still doing my own inner work. I still am, of course, but mm-hmm. when I didn't help, when someone didn't take my advice, when someone didn't follow through when they said they would it was somehow I damaged myself. I would hurt Mm. myself because I was not valued. I was not, you know, I was this rope pulling someone out of a hole in my mind and they just said, you know, Mm -hmm. flip you the bird and I'm not going to listen. And somehow that meant Mm -hmm. I was wrong and touched all those old wounds. But oh yeah, that's, that's very prevalent. And then people usually will quit, you know, Mm -hmm. screw it. I tried it. It didn't work. I'm going back. But, but the dog is going to keep going regardless. Yes. And, the dogs seem to know the three kinds of business. My business, your business, and God's business. And, you know, my business is what I think, what my work is, what my responsibilities are. That's my business. Your business is what you think, how you react, mm-hmm. how, how, what, what you do. And God's business is the part of, of the world that we can't control. Reality is another way of saying God's business because reality rules, you know? Mm. Sure, sure. <laughs> it just rules. Yep. It is what it is. And so dogs are very clear. Like, even if one dog is suffering and another one cares about it, he'll linger, but he may not stay forever if the other won't move, you see? Mm. Yeah. And 
they're very clear. They can be with some another dog that is suffering and not make that suffering their own. They just know the meaning of stay. They can mm. stay and be present with suffering without taking it inside themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. And because you, you had mentioned that before where even a dog, their own suffering, they're never victims. Like they can be in a cold puddle of water in the winter mm-hmm. and, and be shaking, but never be like, poor me. But just, just right. wow, this is cold. I am so cold right now. I'm so yeah. cold. But not feel like it, it, it shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have, they, they're not, they don't should on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't should on themselves. They, <laughs> they see it as it is. I am cold. I am uh, feeling alone. But there isn't a story behind it that says, I shouldn't be feeling this. You shouldn't have done this to me. Mm-hmm. Somebody should help me. They shouldn't have, you know, all of those stories that humans do. Dogs don't tell themselves stories. They simply experience it. You know, I think of of um, the when I was going through this with my dog and, and all the pain that he had and losing his his leg and and everything he seemed more concerned for how long i sat there than (laughs) than um than him he's like well she's bored stiff at least i have some pain you know (laughs) there's a perspective (laughs) but 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 anyway you know the the ability to feel what they feel without telling a story about it and then take next step dogs have such a wisdom in the way that they function it's it's practical it's not i gotta have a plan i gotta know what i'm gonna do yeah. i gotta you know they have a wisdom that occurs in the moment this is what i need to do for example if i have a sliver in my foot and it hurts and i don't want anybody to touch it i got trying to get it out but no, I don't want you to get it out. It hurts. Don't touch it. You know, and we walk around with our foot wrapped up and on crutches or, you know, you, you follow the, the sure. analogy that we're going to walk around with this thing because it hurts so much and we don't want anybody to touch it. And now I'm going to adapt my life so nothing touches it. And now I have these crutches, but of course I, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, go on the escalator in these crutches. So now I need a different apparatus and, and we have all these ways of adjusting our life so nothing touches what hurts but dogs go i gotta pull this thorn out of my foot Mm. and they immediately go and even if it hurts they pull it out (laughs) and it's out now because they know to move toward the source of distress with a peaceful purposeful mind let's deal with it yeah and that's such a wonderful thing that's the healing journey in, in in one metaphor, you know, and I just had to laugh a little bit because Maddie is right behind me on the floor and she just fell asleep. And when you said pull, you just rip the thorn out. She goes, whoa, whoa, and she's dreaming. So she's kind of like whimpering or barking in her sleep. So I was like, are you listening? <laughs> wow. She's really emoting right now. I, <laughs> I'm dreaming of thorns. Yeah, this is pretty incredible. All right. <laughs> so 
but the the thing is we had talked about earlier and that that illustration sums it up perfectly is instead of building the apparatus the dog you know deals with the trauma deals with the thing in the moment and for us to come to a place where we have all of these things we've been nursing cursing and rehearsing because there's security in our pain we know the suffering we're familiar with it and the rest Mm -hmm. without it is without the thorn is so scary because we don't know it Mm -hmm. but healing would you be without your story you know when you think about it if your story is i was wounded i was damaged i was raped i was kidnapped i was whatever the story is, I was neglected, I was abused. If, who would you be without that story? Yeah. And many people go, I honestly don't know. And yep. that's our journey. That's our journey because dogs, they tell no story. We tell stories like crazy. We tell stories about our dogs who don't yes. tell stories. <laughs> yes, we do. You know, this this dog was abused. He's, he, he's rescued. He came from an abusive home. The dog's like, you know the best thing about the past? It's over. <laughs> and, I'm here now. They, that's right. I'm here now. And so who would we be without our story? Because, again, you know, we're coming to that that self-realization. You know, I think of, of um, the stories that I've told myself about the, the trauma in my past. And I go to that moment and I sit in it. In my mind, I want to anchor myself in that one spot, and I want to ask myself, you know, what is it you're feeling here? I was, I was wronged, and this shouldn't have happened. You know, you were wronged. Is it true? Yes. Yes, it's true. Can you absolutely know that it's true that you were wronged? And the answer is yes or no. You know, I want to go tell a story about why I think it, but Mm -hmm. the reality is, is the answer is yes or no, and they're both the same, yes, you know, or no. And I could say, yes, yes, it's true, I was wrong, or no, I, whatever. But then I have to go to the next question: How do I react when I believe the thought I was wrong? And I have to go in physically. I've got to sit with it. I've got to get still, and I have to ask myself. So I would be able to say, you know, my chest gets tight, I get agitated, I feel frustrated, I feel anxious, Um, my body is, I want to pace around, Um, I might feel kind of paralyzed, and then how do I treat myself? Well, I quit asking myself how I feel, I let myself stay in this agitated state. I don't treat others well. I don't treat myself well. I feel like other people owe me. And then the question, who would you be without the thought? I was wronged. So in that moment, still in that moment, who would I be if I didn't have the capacity to ask that question or to make that that statement, I was wrong? Mm -hmm. Who would I be in that moment? Am I sitting up? Am I dressed? Am I breathing? Am I, you know, alive? And yes, I I am all of those things. Am I undressing? Whatever it may be. Am I in that moment with 
without what I'm thinking and believing about the moment, am I okay? Yeah, Mm -hmm. actually I am. So is it the event that is the problem or is it what I'm thinking and believing about the event that's the problem? Right. And that's, you said that we, unlike dogs, will have to have everything mapped out. And mm-hmm. I think that's exactly, when you're stripping it down this way, in the example you just gave, I mean, it's so basic. You know, mm-hmm. when, when, if you asked me that, you know, what would you be if this wasn't the way it was? You know, I'm thinking, well, I'd be probably a successful marathon runner. I would, um, I'd be, a, you know, I'd be an entrepreneur. I'd have my own business. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, no, like right now. Like we, we, we have mm-hmm. that vision of going so far, but it ha- it's so, healing is so much simpler, but the simpler mm-hmm. it gets, it's almost like the more scary because you feel like you have to have this well thought out plan, but you know mm-hmm. what is you're talking about. Is that true? Yeah. Like, well, the, and the thing that you're, <laughs> yeah, it's not because it didn't work for me because even I tried, you know, when I was trying mm-hmm. to heal, I tried every time I was like, okay, I'd make one step forward and I'd sit and I'd ask myself questions and then I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay. Now let's get back to the business plan. All right, so I'm going to go do this. And, you know, and then it's like, well, you just you just missed the opportunity because it's all about learning how to be present. And one thing I wanted mm-hmm. to mention with this, too, because it's kind of touching on it and it's been a profound, um, uh, what do you want to call it, anchor point for me was the Mary Oliver quote that you always share. Uh, and I'm, I'll paraphrase it terribly. But once someone I loved handed me a box of darkness and in time I realized it, too, was a gift, was a game changer for me. And a lot of people sometimes get scared off by that. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is, is that quote is saying it happened. Now, what are you going to do with it? What, how is it going to empower or disempower you? Cause it did happen. Yeah. And it's what we think and believe about it that right. empowers or disempowers us, you know? Um, and recognizing that we are okay in every moment but for what we think and believe about that moment. Mm. And that's the beauty of it is that we're okay. We're okay. If you're flying on a plane and the plane's going to crash and everyone's nervous, are you okay in that moment? Are you seated? Are you breathing? Mm -hmm. You know, Yes, other than what you're thinking and believing sure. is the problem. Um, and as it's approaching the earth, other than what you're thinking and believing is there a problem. And then once the impact is made, reality is much kinder than the stories we tell and the thoughts and beliefs we hold. Because then it's over and it's done. Yeah. But it's the thoughts and the beliefs that we don't know how to question that are so painful in the cause of our suffering. Yeah. I was talking to uh, an actor recently uh, in an interview and, and they're kind of in the vulnerability business. And a lot of what we're talking about today is rooted in the strength one finds in their own vulnerability. Cause that is so crucial yeah. to what this yeah. is. And it's not a dirty word. And it doesn't also mean you're going to be a victim and crying in the corner all day. Like, it's a powerful thing and, and we don't know how to wield it, but it's our most powerful weapon. And him as an actor, he could do anger and rage. You know, he had it in spades, drop of a hat. He can, he can be a psychopath if he wants, if he, if that's what the you know script calls for. But he came to a, a day where he was in a movie and he had to uh, execute his father uh, because his father was dying. And 
he had to think about his own father and that someday he would lose his father just to summon that that place and when he did and they said action he went to it and he found himself just falling so far back into certain things in his past and he just broke down and they were like wow that was amazing and and are you okay like because it was it took him 20 minutes to stop because he just felt like it, it it's kind of like when an emotion gets the light when it finally gets a way out however it happens it's like let's go let's do it and almost like you're saying with a dog shaking at the door to go out like just cast open the door and I think maybe would it be fair to say that we have the fear that we won't be able to control it when it's let out that is very common that's very common I hear with my veterans is you don't understand if I open this box you have no idea and neither do I mm. what's coming out of there yeah after what I've seen, after what I've done, after what I know I'm capable of, if I open this, it could be a plague on the earth. Mm. And that's that's another one of those. Is that true? You know, Byron Katie is very clear in her work about the ability to go in and find out for yourself. There's a metric for finding out. And, and learning how to question your thoughts and finding out, ask yourself what is true. Because we can believe, you know, we'll come out, no, this is true. But when we really get quiet and we really get still, we get down to, you know, I, I would have said yes to that 10 minutes ago, but now it's, no, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> and that self-realization, being able to go in and go, oh, all of my life I have stuck to this and it was never true for me right and there's so much freedom in it eric and dogs live that freedom they live it they they don't tell the stories and here's the difference between dogs and people people a lot of times say dogs are just like us <laughs> in many ways they are but they're there's you know like a really crucial difference dogs have the ability to think and feel and respond and react and that is true. Humans have the ability to think and feel and respond and act, but we have the added ability to be able to think about our thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> a gift and a curse. Dogs, yeah, they they cannot look back at what they've done and go, you know what, I probably overreacted with that. Mm. They, they don't have that capacity. Humans do. We can look back and go, you know, I thought I wasn't okay, but I realized that I I actually was okay, you know? Yeah. And we can think about our thoughts. And that is so powerful because dogs lay the foundation for us about how to live in the moment without telling stories, without self-pity or judgment mm -hmm. or blame. They're just, just there. And, you know, dogs, another thing that the dogs have really taught me is that they do what they're called to do in the moment they're called to do it. And they follow what feels right inside of them. They're not saying, oh man, everybody's going to laugh at me if I do this. Yeah, for sure. They just, they, they take that, that step. And we are called to the same. Do what is right for you to do in this moment because it is in alignment with who you are. And you know, that it's the right thing to do because you have a deep sense of steadiness, clarity, and it's like, yes, 
this is what I need to do in this moment. Maybe not the next moment, but in this one. Mm-hmm. And we get to take that step and we get to function in our wisdom rather than going, no, 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 I got to have an exit plan. I got to be a dog. <laughs> if, have you ever seen that video online of the dog laying in, in the office building and it's right before an earthquake and nothing's shaking and all of a sudden you see him go, holy crap, I got to get out of here. He <laughs> up and books it out. I mean, you can look it up. Um, and then about four or five seconds later, the earthquake comes. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, he that dog never had a plan for when there's going to be an earthquake, but he inherently knew what to do. Sure. And we have much more wisdom than we give ourselves credit for. So being loyal to a story and a plan and all, they don't have it. They live peacefully and in their wisdom of what needs to happen next. And we have that too when we tap into what is our own wisdom. Yeah. I was just, uh, Maddie came up to me and there's some cords and cables. And so she was wanting to come and get a little affection check in as she does. And I didn't want her to get tangled up in the cords. So I kind of gave her the, you know, down, go show her where to go. And, and she went down and laid down and, and then she licked her paws, got cozy. And in my mind, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you and seeing Maddie do this and we're talking about what we're talking about, I'm like, man, if that was me coming up to get affection from somebody that I've given value to, and he just pushes me away, kind of says, go over here. I'm going to tell myself a story and say like, Oh, you know, and Maddie didn't say, Oh, he doesn't love me. I did something wrong. What did I do? You know, she's like, all right, cool. I'll be over here licking my paw. Let me know if you need anything, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, yeah. that's a freedom that I craved for so long. And it's been a driver for me to be more dog like, if you will. Oh, yes. I, I love that about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we project stories onto them like, oh, she thinks I'm leaving them. Yeah. She thinks I don't care about them anymore. You know, but in reality, <laughs> the dog is saying, you know. I'm just trying to sort this out because he doesn't have an identity to protect. He doesn't have a feeling that you're going to have to do this or I'm going to feel bad about my, you know, this is your business. That's my business. Mm -hmm. My business is how I feel. Your business is how you feel. Let's come together and sort things out. But at no point am I going to make your business my business. If you're saying you better do this or I'll know you don't love me. Mm -hmm. They'll say that, that, that little business, bit of business there is yours right that one isn't mine that one's yours and they have the ability to separate we get into trouble when we go into someone else's business mentally and then we suffer and we say it's their fault Mm -hmm. yeah and bad behavior you know because you probably get it a lot in your line of work that bad dogs quote unquote come in all the time and really that's not bad dogs and really it's Mm -hmm. not bad people but one thing that you've shared with me is this idea that a dog has energy. I think you even said it was either a German Shepherd or a Doberman that they leak, that they have energy built up. If it's not getting out, they'll actually bark and have no idea that they're actually barking. And It's a whining. A whining? Yeah. Okay. German Shepherds, German Shepherds are very leaky. They have drive. They have energy. And, you know, they're bred to move all day. Mm-hmm for nothing but a pat on the head and a drink of water yeah. to get to keep track of the sheep and strategize and plan and calculate and watch. And so when they're just laying around for hours and hours, that energy and that drive is going to go somewhere and you'll often hear them whining. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're just a little talkier. Some huskies are like that too and mm-hmm. some other breeds, but, but that energy has got to go somewhere. 
And so when they're out and moving, they don't do that, actually. If you ever watch, if anyone's ever had a shepherd, they'll go, yeah, so my dog does that too. But, um, but when they're out and moving, they don't do it. They might bark a little bit, but they don't do all that whining. Mm. So that can happen. Yeah. And we're kind of the same way. Like, and it can be mental stimulation. You had said too, that it, it's physical and mental. There's puzzles, there's obedience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, was it Schultz hound or something like that? There's all kinds of different uh, things for working. Yeah, yeah. For working dogs that, you know, really get that energy mm -hmm. out. And if it doesn't, it comes out in bad ways. They, that's where destructive behavior or digging or, or, or things like this kind of come out. And then it's like, oh, mm -hmm. it's a bad dog. But it's mostly wrapped around uh, maybe lack of leadership and that idea that, well, this is a working dog. It needs to work. It needs mm. to be challenged. Right. And so we are the same way. I would argue that if I'm not like for me, triathlon endurance sport has been a huge way for me to clear the fog and be objective mm -hmm. and come to that place where I can own my ruck. I can see what's mine to own in the fight or the conflict and mm -hmm. not be like, well, it was all Jenna's fault or it was all this guy's fault or whatever. Like I can't change that. So mm -hmm. what can I do right now in me? And so I think we're similar mm -hmm. to dogs in that way too, that if we're mentally and physically engaged in something, we can have a lot more of that objectivity provided it's, it's a positive empowering experience. Absolutely. And, you know, we know with dogs as well as humans that creativity is, you know, our freedom is our birthright. Creativity is our birthright. You know, that is, that is what is in us. And, if we do not give creativity its voice and its outlet, because we're all creative, we will turn that creative creativity into anxiety. Interesting. And we just get really creative in how we become and remain <laughs> anxious. And we start dreaming up things like, yeah, but, but what if there was somebody that was waiting in my house? Yeah. What if, you know, and, and uh, so we become extremely creative in our suffering. Interesting. Yeah. It... So if, there was this quote, I forget, it was Augustine, I think, said, uh, art is the grandchild of God because it's the only thing that, and not necessarily art, but creating anything is the only way, mm -hmm. you know, that the created thing is creating. So it would be like the grandchild of God. Yes. So it's an interesting, yes. even non-religiously, like that truth is kind of a, you're, you're touching on something I haven't considered, mm -hmm. our creativity. Yeah, the more that, that we can express our creativity and our creativity is only found in the moment yeah. it isn't found in your plan it isn't found in your past it's found in this moment and the movement of it we can feel it yeah you know and i have an idea oh my god and you know sometimes we don't know what the next line of the poem is going to be if mm -hmm. that's what we're doing for creativity or sometimes we don't know what the next thing we're going to say is but it it's all it's all part of what is so absolutely perfect <laughs> Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because sometimes it's hard to define maybe what for someone to take on. Like this is, oh, I love that concept, but how the hell do I create? I don't even know, you know, and in my mm -hmm. own experience, I think the key is like you're saying is whatever it is, it just has to bring you in the present moment and not have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be award winning quality or anything. And I, oh, I don't, gosh. I don't think it has to be finished either. Like, I don't think you have to, like, I've written a script, you know, 30 pages of a script for a movie I wanted to write, and that's about a third of the way mm -hmm. done, and then I'm, I blank. Mm -hmm. But as long as I don't beat mm -hmm. myself up for that, I can say the, the, the thoughts got out, and that's okay. It didn't have to be finished. And who knows what, yeah, who knows what comes next. I sure. mean, you think of nature. Nature does nothing. 
but it leaves nothing undone. Yeah. It leaves nothing undone. It unfolds. It it does, you know, what does a tree do? It grows. It blooms where it is. It doesn't compare itself to any other tree. You know? Yeah. It's not, it's not going, oh, I should have been an oak. Look yeah. at me, I'm... I'm a, I'm a willow. If I was a know? maple, I could go to Canada, and they'd really respect me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, you know, they're just, they are being what they are. They just are. And that is what dogs do, too. They just are what they are. They don't compare themselves to other dogs. They don't go, you know what, if I hadn't been born a dachshund, man, I, I could have been a greyhound. Mm. And... Um, somewhere far enough back in my family, we had greyhounds, but just look at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the ability to simply be is where creativity comes from. And I saw, I saw this really awesome little cartoon and it's this obviously like authority type guy. I don't know if he was a therapist or preacher, whatever mm-hmm. he was, but, um, He's sitting behind a desk holding up an x-ray. And across the desk is Kermit the Frog. And in his hand is the x-ray of what you can see is obviously Kermit. But inside Kermit, in the x-ray, is the bones of a hand. And oh, because he's a puppet. The guy is, the guy, <laughs> yeah. And the guy is saying what I'm about to tell you is going to change your life forever. Are you sure you really want to know it? (laughs) And (laughs) I think about that, you know, with, with us and the flow of life and how perfect it is. And, you know, you look at the tree and it's a tree standing there saying, Oh, I got to figure out what my purpose in life is. You know, that tree's purpose is to be right where it is and to bloom right where it Mm -hmm. is and do what it does because it needs Everything else in it is so beautiful, and dogs know the same. I am here, and I am me, and this is enough. And they don't tell the stories about what it means to be enough to, you know, yeah, fill in the blank. Because that, that standard was created by somebody else. That's what right. We enough. never asked ourselves. Mm-hmm. We never asked ourselves. And when we go in, we get to ask, you know, is it true that I need to uh, finish my script? Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Can I absolutely know that that's true? How do I react when I think that? Who would I be without that thought? And we get to go in and ask. And that's where the wisdom is, and that's where the creativity is, and that's where the power is. Yeah. And the whole creativity in this, even the my, my name of this podcast is Mind Body Story, because I believe that's the only three things we really truly own in this life uh, is our mind and how we use our mind and body writes our story. And, and this story, we, you look at a book, any chapter book, and it's not two chapters, you know, it's not one chapter and it's a story arc. It's a journey. And sometimes I think, you know, when we get so, so hard on ourselves and we, we don't just learn how to be present in this chapter of our life, we expect that like no book ever has ever done this where you go and read chapter one and it was this horrible, tragic story. Then chapter two is, and then he became everything he wanted to be and lived a life full of joy and and purpose. You know, that, that might be the ending of the story. Who knows? You know, that's in retrospect, but there's 60 chapters in between here where it's, some are really positive, some are not. And the thing is that they're all continuous. 
And that's, you know, the dog is the, is, is the perfect example of what it means to write a story chapter by chapter, moment by moment. Just to live it. Yeah. yeah. Just to live it and let it unfold. And, and we have the ability that dogs don't is to question the thoughts we, and beliefs we have along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't make up meanings to things. They simply experience it and have the uh, associations. They have the ability to love fiercely without making up stories like, if you love me, you'd, mm. you you'd see, yeah. they, they are able to just be fully present and not disconnect themselves because something, someone said something they didn't like. Yeah. You know, they, they don't, they won't sacrifice connection as easily as we do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, if, with connection, have you always felt kind of this connection with dogs? Like, or is that something that you found later in life? Actually, I did very early on. Um, that was part of my journey. And I, there were some things I learned in the moment um, because they were part of, of my journey, my trauma journey. Um, but I, I was able to stay present with them then, and I was able to, in retrospect, be able to see how they stayed present with me even in pain. Mm. They were able to say, I hurt and I'm here versus I hurt and I got to find something to make this go away. Yeah. They could, I hurt and I'm here and didn't feel like something was out of order about it. It was simply that they hurt. And, um, that was very powerful for me, their ability to stay present and we have the ability to stay fully present as well and to question the thoughts and beliefs we have that, that lead to our suffering. But we don't, until we know, we're completely innocent. You know, can you, can you know something that you don't know in the moment? <laughs> no, not you know, we're, in, we're innocent. Can you not believe some moment you believe it? Of course not. You believe it. And so beginning to question those beliefs, we can see that when we believe those things, we were innocently believing them. And we're all just like children. You know, we, we believed until we learned, and then we go, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And it doesn't make us wrong. It just makes us aware. Yeah. It's, it's never surprising to me when we talk about healing and some of the most gifted healers, the most, um, most able to hold the space, have their own story. And out of that story, you know, out of that box of darkness that you realize in time was a gift, you've created something that gives that gift and empowers other people that don't have the same trauma as you, but trauma is trauma. And whether it's a veteran or a civilian, I mean, it, we're all people. It's just the, the flavors of ice cream, as horrible as they may taste, are all different. And the, the journey is the same. And really, I would say, you know, all we do when we're empowered by that box, like I'm not going to start a service dog organization because I don't have that. I, I use the service dog as a partner in my own healing, but you mm-hmm. found this connection and now give that gift, uh, that box of darkness packaged beautifully, I'll say, to others that are willing to open it and walk with you or beside you. Yeah, the... Um the trauma that we have, we are the ones who tell stories about whether it is this way or that way. I was outside the wire and you were inside the wire, mm, sure. you know, 
you lost a limb, but I just have migraines every day, mm-hmm. you know, syndrome, you know, well, I have it worse than them or they sure. had it worse than me. And dogs don't do any of that, by the way. Um, but the, the whole notion that there is worse than does not consider that the human brain does not know the difference in the origin of trauma. The human brain does not. Mm. Trauma is trauma in the human brain. And so it is we who make those distinctions. Sure. It is we who tell stories about those distinctions and separate ourselves from others because of those distinctions. Mm -hmm. So... We can actually keep... That's why I... I was going to say, we actually keep people quiet because of that, that... You know, because right. I didn't have this horrible thing. Like your your worldview, your perception, your your experience is very true to you, but it's not the same as mm-hmm. someone in comparison. But it doesn't mean you are any less um, wounded or deserving healing and transformation. That's correct, and it can sometimes serve as a way to just not deal with it. Sure. By saying, "Well, yeah, you know, somebody else deserves this more than me." Yeah. You know. Is that true? Can you absolutely know that that's true? Right. I mean, we got to question. We've got to question these things because, uh, you know, an unquestioned life is not worth living. Yeah, that's like I, I see that a lot with the Vietnam vets uh, that I've encountered. Mm. You know, I think even when I graduated after the or the pairing ceremony, whichever it was at the, the baseball stadium, I met a Vietnam mm-hmm. vet who'd said, "You know, I'm so happy for you." You know, it's good for you. It's too late for me, mm-hmm. but I'm so happy you and your yeah. cohort are getting at this when you're young. And that's just a, that's mm-hmm. a tragic belief structure because it's never really too late. Yeah, that is that is correct. Um, it is never too late because we, we take it with us. You know, we take our tumble with us and all we have is this moment. And so we have the power to enslave ourselves with our beliefs or we have the power to set ourselves free. And all we have is right now. And all we ever have is right now. Mm-hmm. The future is now. And it's now. And it's now. So we have the we have the power of freedom at every moment. Yeah. And all we have to do is go in and begin to question and that is something that that is very much available to anyone who wants to learn how to do the work. Yes. I always say the damnable thing about tomorrow is it never comes. We only have mm. now. That's right. Yeah. You know, I think um, on this note, because you're mentioning, we're starting to talk a little bit about what is necessary, I think, to heal or, uh, and the keys being be present in this moment and give up that sense of control. Uh, I would say also finding healthy relationships uh, I know it's it's vital to find a mentor, and sometimes that's hard to do, but opening up to organizations like Disabled Veteran or anything else, if you're a veteran, uh, and you had mentioned that there's going to be some a civilian component to um, this work as well, which I think is fantastic. Uh, not with Disabled Veteran just yet, sure. but um, other, with other things that we have going now. Okay, but using the dog um, experience, mm-hmm. and, right. and that is... Uh, I think that it's the beauty of, of the community because 
you know, maybe not, maybe someone else doesn't want to get a service dog. Maybe they don't well, for whatever reason, but there's things out there and it all requires the same thing. Would you have, if you had to make up a recipe beyond the dog, but a, a, a spiritual, emotional place, do you think there's a recipe that says this is a good breeding ground for, for transformation? Yes. I would say, um, I feel that the answers are not outside of you. They are inside of you. Uh, we don't know how to find that without, you know, self-realization is the what, but doing the work about asking what, you know, is true for you is the how. And that's always available. It's always free on the work.com. And that is the work of Byron Katie. And it is for any belief structure, any faith, any philosophy. It doesn't interfere with anything. It is simply a way to question the thoughts and beliefs that make us suffer. And it's all there. All the information is there. Um, and so that's, that's there for anyone, whether they think about a dog or don't. If freedom is what they are after, there, is, there are ways to find freedom for yourself sure yep and uh i think that that sums it up very well um that's been very true in my own process as well as the more i can strip down to this core of just being and uh for me also that's helped by moving my body triathlon and all that stuff has helped me really mm -hmm. burn off energy so i can can get to that place and sit you know on the seat yeah. of consciousness otherwise you're just confused and you're telling yourself story after story and you just really don't go anywhere. And that's something that I, I just have to say, Eric, it has been one of the great joys of my life watching you on this transformational process. <laughs> Seeing you and meeting you when you came in, even meeting you on the phone before you did and, and you coming in and going through the program, leaving the program, going through your journey and watching you ask yourself the hard questions, sit with the feelings, take your time, invest in you knowing that the answers will be there for me. Mm. And I could not be more proud of what you're developing. I'm especially proud of you coming home to yourself. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. And I'll always be grateful for you giving me that start. Because I think it has to start somewhere. And for me, that was coming to TAV, to the disabled veteran. And and I will add to that, that this idea of what you're saying, you know, we've, we've conversed over the years and, you know, infrequently, sometimes several, six, seven, maybe a year had passed before we had conversed. But the, it's so true that you're saying this, that the work is done internally, that you're driving yeah. down this road and someone said it to me this way that you try to keep it well they weren't talking about healing but they're talking about driving and just trying to keep it between the mustard and the mayonnaise the white and the yellow lines just trying to get down the road you know and i was like that's such a great way to look at healing like what i'm doing is you you it's not pretty you're kind of swerving crossing lanes of traffic and you're just trying to keep it between the mustard and the mayonnaise but every once in a while it's good to have mm. someone that you reach out to and say hey i'm doing this thing i'm thinking this thing can you make sure that I'm driving on the right road still? Cause I don't know. I'm, you know, but as long as you stay in that, 
that uh, that container and you're going in that direction, having little, the work was done in me because I'm the mm. only one who could save my life. The emotion that I feel when I say, I saved my own life, it, it fills me up because I think the mm. best way I can honor anyone that has help play a role in that is to save my own life and to show and to do and to continue to work, not to achieve a great um, empire, business, whatever, but to just say, hi, I'm Eric. This is my true self. You didn't know me back then, but this is who I've become. Mm. And to get to know that person. And to live a happy life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then just live a happy life. Right. That's the goal. And it's, it's so simple, but mm. so difficult. And it's a lifelong process. Someone said, we spend the last 80 years of our, our lives trying to get over the first five to eight. And it's, it's, it's such a great example of what it really means to, to heal because it is hard. And I, I, I'm sure you've had this. When you do this work, when you heal, people look at you differently. People can, mm-hmm. can attack you because sometimes if you knew that person, maybe you've changed in a way that they're uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they had a codependent relationship, which is a whole other conversation, you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's when you do it, you have to be aware that things will come at you that aren't yours to own, but the feelings that come up yeah. in you are. Yes. And when they come up, we get to question yeah. them. We get, we get to question them and, and remind ourselves whose business am I in? Mm-hmm. Yep. And th- there's so much power in it. And there's freedom in mm-hmm. it, and, and we are the ones to set ourselves free. Yeah. And those are muscles we have to work out, because it doesn't just come. It doesn't come right away. It takes time after time and, and dedication to doing it. And it's not glamorous, but it is freedom. Mm-hmm. And I can promise you, my wife and I are happier than we've ever been, even though we have our problems. But the focus is, I'm going to own what I have to own. Jenna's going to own what she has mm-hmm. to own, and we will grow and be better parents better better couples uh, better friends it's just the that's the side effect of healing yourself is you're just going to be mm. better for other people you're not changing because and free yeah because freedom is changing for who you are that's self-love the willingness to extend mm. yourself to your own spiritual development that's love because it allows you to love yeah and, and freedom is our birthright yes the only one that can take it away from us is yep we comparison the robber of joy my peace was only mine to give away no one can rob me of it if i don't let them i love I can that all, I'm, i give it away oh, I love yep that. it's it's a, it's a powerful truth and and this this whole conversation's been wrapped up around these ideas that it's own your ruck it's yours to own and uh mm. yeah that's the journey and sometimes a service dog will help or just understanding dog psychology. That was what I didn't expect at the Sable Veteran was how much just you talking about dogs and showing me things with dogs, hindbrain, front brain, all that stuff that I was like, if a dog can do it, you can do it. How much that was just good to hear. And that's kind of one of the reasons I want to share bits and pieces here is because just knowing those truths, it does shift something because you, you, um, I'll end with this. Um, and you can comment on it because I think you're the one who planted the seed in my head that if I can take your worldview with how your your victim story is, how the life you're living isn't working, if I can show you that one thing isn't true and that there is a possible alternate truth, if you can accept that and believe that, then your whole world can change. Absolutely. You know, certainty equals suffering. 
because the more certain we feel we have to be, think about it. What is truly certain? Yeah, I really can't think of anything. Death and taxes? Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that what they say? Um, and, and Yeah, and, but, you know, really what is certain? What is certain? Well, if I, if I just get this job, well, how certain is that? It, how, this is what I know. Mm. And we begin to worship the belief about what we know more than what we know. Yeah, you yeah know? sure. So, and, and then we suffer in, in the belief, like, no, 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 I have to, this is what I, I, I believe this. <laughs> and our, our suffering is founded. So when we begin to question our beliefs, we begin to find the freedom to be who it is we truly are. And sometimes that's scary, but that, it takes courage to do that work and to heal. And that is what we're called to do, is to be. Yeah. To yeah. And I, I love that your journey has been all about the courage of looking inside, setting yourself free, and the, the ways that you have found to still yourself. It's all about getting still, right? Yeah. It's a, not physically still, but internally still. That's where the wisdom, and, and we're shown in those moments when we're still what is true yeah. to us. Um, and for you to have the physical outlet and the challenges that reveal to us that the stories we tell, they mean nothing. Your body can do way more <laughs> than your thoughts, yeah. you know? And, and there's so much surrounding that that I love. I mean, I talk about the dogs and you're talking about challenging the body. It's amazing what you've built. Yeah. Yeah, we all find our ways. It's just the openness to finding yeah. it. isn't that mm -hmm. beautiful? Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, Something that I gave up a lot of control in is understanding that my way isn't the way either. And oh, so we all have our yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, it's their business right. too. What their way? Yeah. Is. You, I just for me to be of value or doing good doesn't mean that I have to convert everyone to become a triathlete or you know whatever it is yeah. that I'm doing. But my only responsibility, and I think everyone's responsibility in this life, is to get to know who they are and then be that thing, be them. Because that's the only way that we can really add to this world and, and find joy and freedom in it. And it doesn't matter how successful the world would deem us, but do we find mm -hmm. joy and contentment with where we are? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. You know, just if we suffer, question our thoughts and beliefs, we live a happy life. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and dog will walk with yes. you. Yes. <laughs> dog. Yes. It's a beautiful image. And that's what I'm striving for. And I hope everyone can get to. That's what I want to help people find. Find yeah. their way. But uh, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining me today. This was a wonderful conversation, as it always is. I'm always, uh, these are cherished memories and moments for me whenever we get to get to chat like this. So thank you. And it was a joy, Eric. Good. It was just a joy. And I feel the same whenever we mm -hmm. talk. There's always, you know, we, we know that we, are, are called and it's so wonderful to walk with someone who honors their own calling. Yes. And anything uh, you want to say in closing, any um, thing you want to put out there, website data, anything that people can uh, check into what you're doing uh, to learn more. Yes. Uh, if, if someone has an interest uh, as a veteran in a service job, feel free to go to this 
ablevetran.org, T-H-I-S-A-B-L-E-V-E-T-E-R-A-N.org. Um, and you can learn more about us. Um, you can learn more about the work at thework.com. Everything is free there, uh, the work of Byron Katie. And if, if there are anyone, if there's anyone out there who is, is suffering, just know that there is a path through it and it doesn't have to take long. You just have to be open and willing to question. Always question. So yeah. thank you, Eric, for everything you're doing. Well, thank you. It's an honor to to have been given the tools after being open to, to reclaim my life and to even figure out who the hell I was because I never knew, you know, until I was 30 years old or however old I was. Never yeah. too late to figure that out. Never. Two important, the two most important uh, dates in a person's life is the day they were born and the day they figure out why. I think that was Einstein or Mark Twain. I forget who it is, but I'm like, yep, that's it. And why was I born? Oh, there you got go. it figured out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Behesha, for joining me. Uh, we'll stay in touch. I'm excited about what you're doing and learning more about this uh, new endeavor that you're on. Uh, I'm going to check it out and I'll put the uh, links in my show notes here. And that'll do it for today. So uh, we'll catch you next week. And until next time, journey well, my friends. This podcast is presented by Project Echelon, the nonprofit that races for veterans and helps them heal through endurance sport and self-discovery. 